again, it's my pleasure to introduce Dr. Ray Andrews to lead us in our second session. So it's all yours. How are you doing? Good, good. Now, we, we, because of the second session is a different subject, um, uh, so I'm not going to be able to go into my diagrams on the one that we were just showing before we finished, but uh, I want to go on to something different because that's what the, the title is anyway. So I'm, uh, I, I try to be obedient. <laughs> I'm married. And anybody knows that after a long time you learn wisdom. <laughs> and if you don't, you won't swim. <clears throat> I want to look at this with you in a moment when we, when we put it up in a moment, but we'll do this. I want you to see this. In this meeting this morning, there are those people. When you listen to me talking today, you were coming from this approach. Everybody did not hear the same thing. Did the Holy Spirit land anything for you this morning? Because what we get is we can get... One of the things that I make a mention of very much... Uh, is practiced in church life. I want to find in church what I can't find anywhere else. That's one of the most important things. I'm a spirit being. If I want to be intellectually stimulated, I have plenty of courses that I have to continually do in my profession. If I want to be entertained, I go to some of the most beautiful places in the world where I go and listen to things in Austria and listen to some of the great musicals. I get in there free because I get friends who are in the symphony orchestra, and that's, that's always a good thing. And uh, if I want to see some of the incredible musicals, I go to New York, London, places that I go to that I can do that. When I come to church, I don't want to be entertained, and I don't want to be intellectually stimulated. I need my spirits fed. And only the Holy Spirit can do that. Amen? Um, and that we receive things so differently. We all receive things very, very differently. So what I want to look at is with you uh, is in this subject that we have for this session is just looking at the way we relate relationally, the, the hiccups. And then at the end, we're going to have about 30 minutes, aren't we? About 30 minutes for you to have questions. Now, I, I don't want you asking questions about where Ian got, where Kian got his wife. Hey, I need to be careful how I'm saying things this morning because the pastor's wife, Jenny, she thought I was swearing at you this morning. <laughs> then I went away over here and found some sort of bastard. I, 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 wasn't, I wasn't saying that at all. I said, it's a basket. <laughs> do, you, do you see the mindsets of some people? And she just saw this lonely little farm boy that was ostracized from his family and just grew up as a little bastard. And I thought, no, I'm not saying that. Jenny, listen to the Holy Spirit. 
<laughs> and I didn't want to mention her name, but uh, this was important to define it. And uh, and so what is I love you. And and so what it means is I receive information. Now, what is different is these people when we when we when you're listening to me, you're not hearing me the same way. She proved that. That might have had a little bit to do with my Irish. Did anybody else think that? Three of you? Did you get it all right now? B-A-S-K-E-T? Three people. Well, that's good. That's good. If I only lose three people, (laughs) I've got the majority. Okay. Hey, listen, but that's easy because I do... I have been doing my best for a long time to try to speak English. <laughs> and the older I get, the less it's improving. So, please, if you don't know and you think I'm swearing at you, please put your hand up. I want to settle those things before they keep working at you until finally you can eat your morning tea. So, what we have is, is and because we are, we're receiving information. One of the tragedies, for pastors even is that we somehow believe that what we're preaching is people are getting what we're saying. I know what I'm... Well, most of the time I know what I'm saying. But I haven't the faintest idea what you're hearing. The message from me conveyed to you can get lost in cyberspace. You reinterpret the message when I bring the message. That's why it's absolutely important that I am only going to try by the, by the power and the help of the Holy Spirit to let the Holy Spirit bring truth and revelation. Because only the Holy Spirit, I am not the Spirit of truth. Only the Holy Spirit is. So he has to bring to you whatever that message of truth is and how you receive it. Excuse me, I learned uh, too many berries. And they were beautiful. Thank you. Oh, man, I, I cannot believe how hospitable we are, Steve. I, I'd finished morning tea and everything, and then he brings me another whole dish of the things. I think, okay, I'll just nip down. Every time I have a thought, I'll go down and get another berry. <laughs> but it's so hospitable. Thank you so much. But do you see, what, what, when we are interpreting something, it's very important that we're getting it right. We try to get it right. So I'm under no falsity that I'm getting it all to you. It's one of the problems of ministry is we, as, we have assumed, I have, maybe I should, I like to include others because I don't like to look the one they did. But the fact is, we expect, we think that what we're saying, people are getting it. Has it, any of you pastors this morning, has it ever, has it ever intrigued you? Because I learned to shut up after a while. I mean, I passed it for 25 years. <laughs> I know what it's like. You go to the door, you know, and for me, I would always uh, shake the hands person at the door. I like to meet the people, so I'd shake hands at the door and then fellowship afterwards inside. But <laughs> I'm at the door. Somebody comes to the door and they shake your hand. Oh, brother, that was so good. I get so blessed this morning. You know what's really important at that point? Just take it, receive it, and don't ask any more questions. <laughs> you know? Because you, say, you get excited. Great. What was it that I said? And there's the killer. Because when you hear what inspired them, blessed them, and brought revelation, it has nothing to do with what I said. <laughs> I hit some sort of trigger. Their mind went off. 
into another fairyland, <laughs> came up with something completely different, went out completely blessed, and I said, just to shut up as soon as he told me, I said, amen, thank you so much. Oh, that's wonderful. Don't ever ask anybody what blessed them, because it may not be what you said at all. Because you know why? We do. There's people in here, when you're listening to me, your mind does not always stay with me. Now, since I speak a lot and see people, all I have to do is look at people's eyes and I know when they've left me. <laughs> and I know they're somewhere else. So I just think, have you ever heard me repeating myself? Yes, I do a lot. Well, I've been delivered from repetition anyway. One of the most important things is sometimes I will say something because I know some people have just drifted on the last thought. So I'm going to bring it back because they're not making the connection. I can see that from here. See? With my cataracts out. I can now see that a whole lot. But that's what they blame Irish people for because they reckon that Irish people say things three times, which is probably true. So, that, of course, the reason for that is so other people can get it. But the thing is, we, we, you say, th- do you know something? That's why, that's why Jesus was not born in Ireland. <laughs> they couldn't find three wise men. <laughs> that's who you got speaking for you. So we're receiving information different. So these people here... These people here are very linear thinkers. This person here, the way they see life and interpret everything that's going on, is Star Wars. This person here is spaghetti. And this person here is sparky. Now, do you know what? It it really is important to know that because when I'm working with people individually... I completely change every session. I've counseled for thousands of hours. I change it because I come, from me, I come from my frame of reference. So I only have a particular frame of reference. I need to have a far bigger scope, but that's hard because this is how I see life. This is how I interpret life. And so whenever I do that, and that's the reason, if I come out of here, if I'm working with Pastor Kevin, I want to get into his shoes. I need to see life from how he is. For me, I just think about, you know, when I was pastoring in years in my past theology, I used to go up to people, of course, with my type of temperament, and they would say, you know, they were depressed. What? Christians don't get depressed. That's ridiculous. You know what the Bible says. Get on with it. (laughs) I was full of compassion. You know, I couldn't understand why somebody could not get it, why somebody could not see it. That's why when I went through my whole terrible breakdown, I mean, I was at the very bottom through burnout. I was so far down, I was reaching up to touch the bottom. And it was that experience that changed me completely to what I'm teaching now. Because... I went through a lot of pain, lay in hospital for months. I was in really bad shape, mentally, emotionally, physically. And I had been the most positive, faith-filled person, built pioneer church, built another church. I went on with all, I did all of that. And then I came crashing down. And in the midst of the pain, in the midst of all that, complete failure and everything else, 
the worst thing that I had of all, in the midst of all of that, the worst thing I had was my theology when I needed it the most. Let me down. That was the greatest. That actually affected me. You know why? Because I had not learned the God I knew when I first got saved and I couldn't go to him in my mess. I couldn't go to him in my failure. I couldn't go to him in my distress. And I had, I had publicly from a platform said, Christians don't get depressed. And Psalm 1 verse 6 says, the God that sits in the heavens shall laugh. And boy, he had a good laugh at me. Because he said, okay, they don't get depressed. Well, let's see how you go. Just let's see how you go. And I was down, so far down. And I didn't know, and I went to pastors, I went to top leaders in the, in the movement, and I went to all, and I got people, and all they wanted to do was this powerful prayer, and tell me to get on with the ministry, and tell me to get up and move, and tell me to get faith, and tell me, you know what? I didn't even hear what they're saying, because I'm in a fog, and I don't know what's happening to me. And I was on my way to collapse, but nobody knew. And that changed everything for what I'm doing today. Changed where I'm going today, because you know why? I... Loved people. I loved pastoring. If God hadn't have moved me into a worldwide ministry, I'd still be pastoring. I loved it. I absolutely loved the people. But I did not understand people's hurts, the depth of their feelings, their emotions. I had no compassion for them. I didn't. But I'll tell you this. Out of my incredible mess, God completely changed the way I see people and the compassion that I can have for people and how much that I can empathize with them. And I have sat with hundreds, I mean hundreds of ministers. I have sat with leaders and ministers has burned out. And one of the most incredible things today is I can look at them, I can give them a bridge of hope and I say to them, I sat where you sit. I know the hell you're in. I know how bad it is. And although there's five different levels of burnout, I know the levels. I went to the top level or the bottom level, whichever one you like to say. But you know what? It's changed how I see life now. I don't hit people in the shoulder anymore. Because the Bible says that when we go through hard times, he comes to our eye and meets with us. And then we can sit down, in Corinthians 1, we can sit down and we can have compassion and comfort others with the comfort whereby we are comforted. Now I come alongside people. Now I speak spend time with people. Now I have I had no patience with people. I couldn't understand. Just get it. Get it. Come on. Get it. Yeah. (laughs) I got it until I got it. And today it's transformed. When you're listening to me ministering, I'm not ministering from a model. I'm not ministering from a theory. This has been forged out in the anvil of life. This is something that I have experienced, yeah. Where I have experienced, gone to the depth of that. And now, now I can sit with people all day long. I can listen to people. I can walk with people. Because, you know, the most important thing is, when Jesus came to those two men, even in the moment of incredible grief, the Bible says he just walked with them. And isn't it an incredible thing? In life, he just first walks with us. Jesus never opened the scriptures until he was almost home. We opened the scriptures first. But he never opened the trees and almost home. And he comes to them and he says to them this. He says, uh, why are you so sad? What? You're joking. You're a stranger in these parts. You have no idea. Let's tell you something. And they're talking to the man in question. Don't you know about the things that's happened? And Jesus is a great psychotherapist. 
turns to them and says, what things? You and me, in our theology, or my past theology, what you've, I you've been that dumb. I walked with you, talked to you, told you, and what, you're that dumb, you never listened? You know why? In grief, it's absolutely vital and essential to walk the journey. Jesus had to get them to talk it out. He had to get them to say it. You know, if there's any shootings or any uh, traumatic things these days now, they do the wise thing. They bring a counselor in. The counselor's not going to tell them some wonderful things. He's just going to allow them to bring their emotions out, talk their emotions out, because the emotions are suppressed and kept in. They create emotional damage. And so Jesus says, what things? And then he listened to everything he already knew, but he knew their need to talk it through. Do you see? That's what's vitally important. We need a safe forum somewhere we can talk out how we feel. Do you know what I found out happened in our movement? Only strong people were surviving because weak people had no forum to come to. They had no safe place to come. Do you know the most important thing is I want to provide a safe place for people. I don't care where you've been. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what happened to you. I don't care the mess you're in. I don't care what I think you should do. All I know is I want to get into your shoes and try and understand it from the way you see it. I just want to try. How do you see it? You do not see it like me. <laughs> One of the mistakes, sometimes passing. Oh, oh, I feel what you're feeling. I can feel what you're feeling. Really? Hey, Listen. Nobody coming to you wants that statement to be told them. Because one person feeling this pain is enough. We don't need two of us feeling the pain. Eh? So what we have is we have three different types of people who are now receiving information. Now these type of people here are the high thinkers. And, you're, uh, and the reason that we do this is because we are unique. And all of life is interpreted through my uniqueness. So put that up on the board if you will. Uh, thank you Tim. And, and so... Did you fall asleep, Tim? <laughs> you miscommunicating? Uh, it's Tim with a dress on. She's changed. Are, are, we, are we working with me or are we in another thing here? You don't know what you're doing? It, it, it was on the session too, and you started on the right place, that's correct. Now we just have to hit another button and just go down to the next one. Just because I said I had a lot of patience, we don't have time this morning for that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I should be... Is it my fault? Oh, for goodness sake, Ray, wake up to yourself. I humbly apologize. <laughs> Although I can't see why it's my fault. But anyway. <laughs> ah! Can you forgive me? Do you see what I'm saying? Just bad boy. So, right now, we have many types of dictionary interpretations in our head. Everybody in here has their own dictionary. And one of the most important things is for me to know your dictionary. That's why it's very hard with my Irish mind for anybody to work how scrambled it is and then the mistakes that I make 
but just like I did then. And we have all different filters through which we see life. Please don't ever interpret that somebody else knows exactly what you're saying. Please don't think that they've got the message that you're trying to tell them. Because, you know, one of the things that I try to do, I tried it through talking about it differently, going around it in a different way. I want to help to reach people. I don't want people to get just what I know. I want people to get what they need to know, the way they need to know it. Jesus always comes to relate to us in the way that he created us. He comes to talk to us in a different way. So right now, we all are. We're very unique. All of life, including my spiritual life, is interpreted through my uniqueness. Yes? Yes. That's how you do. Everything's interpreted. The way you talk about God, the way you see God, the revelation that you get. The soul is the expression of what's delivered through the Spirit. So my soul will either deliver something from the Spirit, it'll deliver something from the world. But my soul is the expression of it. So we receive something in the Spirit, it's believed on in the heart, and then it is processed through the emotions. And my emotions express it. Most of the time, we only see somebody's personality, something expressed through their particular emotions. So right now, you have a dictionary. I need to know that the word that I'm saying, and if you're using Irish words, you won't have a clue. No, but your dictionary, please. This is the most important thing in working with people, dealing with people, and just trying to understand yourself. Because how many times, maybe in relationship with your spouse or somebody, and you keep, no, you're not listening to me. You, you've got selective hearing. That's your problem. Surely you couldn't understand. I'm just trying to tell you something simple. It's not that hard to understand, you know. But they're not in your wavelength. They don't have your dictionary. Do you know what the most important thing is? How do you see it? How do you interpret that? What does that mean to you? What am I saying to you that actually has value? What am I actually saying to you that you understand? What am I saying to you that's helping you? Because it's not my information to you that's helping you. It's the way you interpret my information. Do you see? Mm. So we have to be, we make room for people. And that, I can tell you, I'm traveling around the world. I work in so many staff places and so many musicians. Those are the two key places where there's the greatest strife in churches. And the reason they are is because the people are either in real leadership positions or they're in very creative ministry. And creative people see things incredibly different. And so seeing them incredibly different. I was in uh, Switzerland and uh, uh, I had been going there a number of years so I felt that I could say what I was going to say. And uh, they, they had the big band all going and the thing and everything. Now... It was so bad. The music was so bad. The thing was so bad. If I hadn't have been a speaker, I would have gone home. <laughs> I don't know how anybody else stayed there. Because I only stayed because of the speaker. So I got up and couldn't help myself. No. So I got up and I said, I want to see the music team, the whole, everybody in the creative ministries, right after the service in the back room. Because I've never sat in a worse service than this. Invite me to your church, please. <laughs> hey, I was going long enough for them to know me. But here's the thing. It was horrible. It was terrible. Do you know what? It had all to do with the different temperaments trying to do their own thing. Yeah. 
and not blend together in a unity of togetherness. And I watched the proceedings in the platform until I could not believe the comedy show that was happening. And in the end, I did. And I went down after the service, right after the service. We met all the creative ministry in a back room, and then I went for it. And I said, I'll never come back here if that's how you're going to run this show. It's a waste of my time. It's killing the people. I have to get up there and create an atmosphere because there's no atmosphere in this place. So I would have to create an atmosphere to, to preach in. So you did not provide any atmosphere for me today in your music. You provided no atmosphere to your light and invite the Holy Spirit into the environment. It's no good. I, I don't have time to sit in a meeting like that because that, to me, if I feel like that, what about other people sitting there and enduring a meeting like this? So I said to the director, I said, you're the director. First thing I want you to do is step down. You're in the wrong job. And I'll tell you who should be directing this. So I just took over. Because I thought it would be my last visit. And that's fine. Because if I meeting, it's going to be like, I don't want to be there anyway. And I sorted the whole thing out with him. Spent all the time with him. They had an incredible respect for me. And you know what? Next time I went back, following year, I went back. They had on the director I wanted it on. They had changed everything around. And I sat in a meeting when the whole place just exploded in worship. Do you see, I could have let that go. And they were destroying themselves. Because you know why? Everybody in their own mindset was right. I'm right. I know how to do this. I know how to do this. You just think about in a music, sometimes in a music team, just let's take one, one little illustration. A thinker gets up who has been there on the Thursday, Friday night doing the, the, the practice thing. Everything's down to script. Everything's according to how it is. Everything runs in a flow. This is how it is. We don't move from there. We don't change from there. So this person here is locked in to whatever the script is. That's it. There's no alteration to that even if the Holy Spirit moves. So right now, I'm locked in. Then you get somebody who's like this, who's incredibly creative as well. So these two people are very creative. Then you get somebody like this. And they're at the other end. This is what I was watching here. And they're at the other end. And of course, the meeting's starting, so they start strumming. And the glares from the thinker over here, that glares. You don't do that until the first beat of the drum. <laughs> the drum leads it. But they're away in fantasy land. Eyes closed, and then I can see this going on. <laughs> the whole thing was a circus. Because two creative people, completely lost in their own thing, with no coordination and certainly no symphony of music. But you know what? Whenever I did, and I went through it with them, their minds, their dictionaries, and their stuff. I took some time after lunch, went through all the things with them, and it brought to them an incredible freedom. They're still incredible friends of mine. I still go to Switzerland. I still preach in that meeting. The point is, I knew that we needed to get a hold of it if we're going to work together, if we're going to work in unison. You, can, you would never get away with it in the secular world. And certainly, when it's a spirit thing, it has to touch my spirit. Worship needs to touch my spirit. You see, sitting there listening to the song. Then you can just disappear. That's all I want, Jesus. That's all I need is you, Jesus. That's all I need. Amen. And then away we go into the glories. You see, it has to touch your spirit. But the problem is, we're humans. And we have emotions. And you receive something like this. These Star Wars persons, so these are thinker people. They're linear. So they just think about one, two, three. And we're not going to two until we've done one. But you didn't do one. 
But this person here says, oh, blew the one. I know nothing about rules. And so they just go out four. You know them people? You know them people? They're stuck in the mud. They're just stuck in the mud people. And they're hard, it's hard to move them past where they're at. And you need to understand it. Now, one of the stories I tell about my own youngest daughter when she was getting married, and her, her type of blending of a temperament is this. So this here, because these here are the feelers, you know, the ones that get caught away with the fairies. And these here are the doers. They just fly to planet after planet after planet. If this planet's not working, I'll find another one. If this fix doesn't work, I'll find another fix, but we're going to fix it. We're not going to spend time listening to them people trying to tell us how it works. Or these emotional people, because they're not lining up with the word of God. So let's get them moving. Before we know, they're doing it. So my daughter, she's like this. So since opposites attract... Then when you get married, they attack. <laughs> but now, she's marrying somebody called Tim. That I was about to abuse up there, and there was a girl, and then I was completely wrong myself. <laughs> of course, it would been a lot better if you hadn't hung me up and said it was my fault in the end. <laughs> this little gentle reminder that I should have used the thing. <laughs> yeah, I'm clawing back out again. Hey, now... What temperament's that? Hmm? Yeah. So now she's marrying Tim. Well, they have settled the thing. They, you know, and of course, this, this temperament here, it, it's, it's such, such, so good because, right, this kind of temperament here, they, they're so settled in everything. So when Tim came to ask me, came into my office to ask me if he could, if he could marry her, I knew he was coming to do it. So he came, knocked on the door, came in, sat down in my office. And so I said to him, I'll just sit over there, Tim knowing that this is what he was like. And I said, sit over there, Tim. And I just kept working on the computer. It really wasn't working. But I was staying on the computer to watch his anxiety levels go up. <laughs> and I wanted to find out how this guy's going to go under pressure. What's he going to be like with my daughter when he's really under pressure? How's he going to handle it? How's he going to deal with it? I want to watch him. And he was squirming. I mean, he was just squirming on the seat. He told my daughter afterwards, he said, that's been the worst day of my life, the day I asked your father. So they're sitting at the, they're sitting at the table... And, and uh, uh, it's close to the wedding thing, and she's planning these different things, which you know now, she's sparking like mad what she'd like, all the razzmatazz and the color and all the deal that goes with this temperament, and get it sorted out quickly on this temperament, and here's Tim, he's like this. And so there's a lot of us at the table, and they're there, he had his, now, his knees, of course, already onto the table, and so now... Tim's sitting there, and she's going. And I can hear them. I'm down the other end of the table, and I can hear her going, sparking, sparking, sparking. And she's bringing everything together and so on. But I don't hear anything from Tim. Finally, and if you're married with a thinker, you're working with a thinker, this is the kind of look that you get. <laughs> so I look up, I look up, and, and I see Tim. Because she's telling Tim something, so she delivers the message to Tim via this here. It goes into his computer. I don't know what gigabytes it had, but it certainly was slowing up. And, and it goes into his computer, so he locks on one until one sort of out. So she, one a quick fix, says, oh, you're too slow. What's wrong? Oh, you don't like that? That's fine. So what does she do? Goes to another planet and comes up with a whole new plan. But he's still here. She thinks he doesn't like what she's saying, but he's only processing it. Thinkers need 
a lot of time to process. And then I look up, and when I look up, finally, Tim is just... (laughs) I said, Debbie, stop, stop, stop. The man's got mental constipation. You you have to. You you can't do that to Tim. He's got a roadblock upstairs. You, you, you have to wait, darling. You're going to have to slow up. You're not talking to your father now. You're going to talk to your future husband. And you better learn to have to wait. And I'm sorry, but that's how it's going to be. This is the, one of the first lessons you're going to need. This guy's going to be stuck here until he gets the information. And he'll be too slow for you. He'll always be too slow for you. But the fact is, he may be too slow for you, but you're too fast for him. So if you want to try and get together... There's going to be a compromise of how you do this, how this works. And understanding that even in counseling and staff and music, everything else, it's so important because we're all receiving the information from different mindsets. The, this, uh, so this person's here, and then these are the people who've got the greatest ideas in the world, of course, and they're multifaceted. It's vital, it's vital for me to know that. When I'm working with people, because you know why? At one time I wouldn't do any of this, didn't do any of this, until I discovered that we were all almost clones of a doctrine in the past. We were almost everybody expected to see the same thing. Almost everybody was a stump of everybody else. Everybody had to do the same thing. We're people. We're just people. But we were treating them like cattle, even though cattle's got a different personality. But the thing is, we treat it, that's how we were. And, and what, what, what's wrong with you? Are you thick or something? Don't you get the information? How long does it take you to get that? But you see, that's why I have compassion now, because I know, I know, and the reason why I want to do temperament. Temperament is not, knowing temperament and personality is not our message. Our message is abiding in Christ. Jesus is our focus. But temperament is about understanding the people because your way of coming to Jesus, my way of coming to Jesus, my way of interpreting Jesus, my dictionary is completely different. Do you see that? And so as I see the dictionary being different, as I understand that, I need to make room for you because I'll run past you. I'll do my own thing. I'll get past you. I need to be. And if I'm not, that's why I started delegating things in the church to people who could do that so that they were able to do what I couldn't do. And, uh, and not until I was through all that stuff that then I came out to do and what I'm doing today. Yes, and preaching and ministry. But it's not. It's only a tool. You need stuff as a tool. But do you, do you see already that it is important to understand somebody else? To have compassion for somebody else? To really work with somebody? If I want somebody who's going to give me a lot of great ideas, I, I, this person here can come up with a lot of sharp, fast things that move very, very quickly. But this person has the most sustained ideas and the most ideas in the world. So I want in, in a service, I want to find out multifaceted people. I want to find out people. And the, but the only problem with them is they feel inferior. These people feel very inferior to these people. And because they do, they don't come up with their ideas. And I could take this here and I could say probably about 35% of these people will go to the grave hiding so many brilliant ideas. At least 35 They have that many of them, and they keep coming, and they keep coming. That temperament has got so many brilliant ideas, and they fulfill the greatest amount of jobs in the world. These type of people in the middle, the sparkies, 
They are diplomats, arbitrators, negotiators, conflict resolution. They are the best managers in the world. They are the best engineers in the world. They are the, they are the best surgeons. They're the best pharmacists. They are the best paramedics. They are the, they are the best chaplains. They can go right down all the whole medical line. They have the most jobs in the world, but they don't believe in themselves. You know, one of the most important things that I need to work with these people, first off, is just believe in yourself. Believe in yourself. Let God bring inspired ideas. Let God, that's, what, that's the way he made you. Because we are a building fitly framed together, we need each other. We absolutely need each other. Amen? Do you see? That, now, that, that here, wherever we get to today, that's just vitally important. Because now, and it's great for you building church and this kind of information because when you know that you make you make room for for uh, the way that the people are that's why pastoring is it's this kind of information came from an old bloke that uh made a lot of messes and mistakes and and, and trying to salvage it by telling others to do it better but do you see just understanding other people that when i'm talking to you i know you're not hearing me the way somebody else will hear me so when I talk to him, I'm not, uh, I'm not talking the same as Jamie. We, they don't receive information the same. But you're already found that out in your marriage, have you not? Yes. He, yes. He. he. <laughs> I stop for your sake. <laughs> Conflict, 50% of what I do in my counseling is marriage counselling. 50% at least of that is fixed, not by any spiritual, scriptural stuff, not by anything. It's just by helping them to understand each other. Do you know that I ask this question, because I've counseled for thousands of hours, I've asked this question, and I say to couples who've been married 10, 20, 30, 40 years, and I say to them, would you like to have known this before you got married, or would it not made any difference? Do you know that I have not had one single person ever say it wouldn't have made any difference? You know what they said to me? Where were you when we got married? Just where were you when we got married? Do you know what? One of the basic things in humanity is our incredible need to be understood. Now, the people who want to be understood the most is these people. They're the number one to be understood. These people here, you don't understand me? You're stupid. (laughs) These people here, just hug me. We'll be right. And just love on me. Don't punish me. I know I'm not getting it right. I'm a failure. That's why I know Jesus loves me. And these people here, you tell them that. They just dig the heels in. They are the most stubborn temperament there is amongst all people. They'll dig the heels in, and nobody but nobody's going to move them once they've done it. They may feel very... They may feel very... Yeah, start to get a bit of a fear come. <laughs> Any movement towards the platform brings me into a nervous disposition. <laughs> Because these people have the least impatience. However, good 
people like this who are good leaders will delegate to the people who are the best at it. And even though these people are they feel inferior to these type of people much more, and these are the intellectuals, these are usually the academic people in society, and so they feel inferior to these people. However, they will dig their heels in. That's why 80%, 80% of combinations, this person marries this people, person. That's quite amazing, isn't it? And the reason that they do is because this person will chew this person up. If this person's married to this person, this person feels so weak in terms of where they're at that they can walk right over them. And then this temperament will despise somebody they can walk over. But do you know, this is the one temperament they can never walk over. And then they respect them. That's why you finish up finding out how people get, get together and how you can work with that. That's not going to be always the case, but about up to 80% of them are attracted to each other. And the reason why this person's attracted to this person is because they can be quite indecisive. I'm not sure what I can do. They have a lot of variety in their life. I sit with kids in the gap year between going into university, and I talk to them, and I said, okay, what would you like to major in? When you get a uni, what do you want to major in? This temperament? If you get a multifaceted person... There's your usual thing. Shoulder hunch. I'll give that a go for a year and then see how I go. You just go to this person here and find out what they're going to be doing. They have already planned that since they're five years old. They know exactly what they're going to do. And this person here, they're going to be very attracted to the academia. They're going to go through something that's going to be really deep and very much in the mind. They have the people who have the greatest problem with unbelief. These are the people who have the greatest problem with pride. These are the people who have the greatest problem uh, with subjectivity. Everything is worked through the grid of the emotions. And this person here, they have the greatest problem of believing in themselves and trusting God. And do you see why when I understand that? Do you see, why would I ever sit down with a doer? Why would I ever do that and then try and work them like a multifaceted person? Do you see how important that is? The better I know people, the better I understand they have a different dictionary, the better I know that they are unique to anybody else, then I enter into their shoes, into their mind, and I can help them in ways I could never have helped them before. I cannot help them out of my shoes, not even with all the experience I've had in my profession and all the lessons that I do and all the courses that I do. The best way, I can take those as tools afterwards, but the best way is getting into your shoes. I want to know you. And when I'm talking to you, I just want to talk to you, only you. I don't want to talk to Kevin. I want to talk to you. Do you see how good that is? And you know what that does? It always makes every individual feel special. And you know that's what Jesus did? He was more interested in the individual than he was in the masses. He stopped under a tree and he says, come down. I'm going to your house. I want us to be together today because I want to talk to you. Do you see, he always made us special. Jesus makes us special. Do you know, I was in uh, Seattle and I had started preaching in a beautiful church, big church, but beautiful church. And they had multiple services all through the day. I started preaching my first service at 8.30 in the morning and did not finish in the multiple services except for the little break between where they have the change of congregation until one o'clock. I just went through service after service after service. When we finished, there was a number of pastors, because a big church, there was quite a number of pastors. We're all going to go for dinner, for lunch. And as I'm standing there, I notice a young girl, and I can feel her 
You know when you know somebody's looking at you and you feel them burning in the back of your head? And I would turn around and see, way over this other wing over here, I see this young girl sitting there. And I think, oh, she must be one of the pastor's daughters. But as we kept talking, she's still sitting there. And I can feel her burning into my back of my head. So finally, I said to the pastor, just a moment. We won't go just for a moment. I want to go over and, and talk to this little girl. So I went over to her and I said, honey, are you waiting for your father? And she says, oh, no, sir. She said, I'm waiting for you. I said, really? Yes, sir, I want to wait for you. Why are you waiting for me? She said, because what you said this morning in the meeting, I can't leave until I talk to you because you relate it to me. Do you see, that's the most important thing. Jesus talked about power stories and everything else to relate to everybody, including nine-year-old girls. She says, you relate to me and you've related to where I'm at. Can I tell you my story, please? And I said, sure, honey. I said, but... How old are you? She said, I'm nine. I said, what's your name? She said, Katie. And I said, oh, darling, that's beautiful. And she said, yeah, I had a state to do. And then she pours out her heart to tell me the hurts, the abuse, the things that she's gone through. And she says, and your message just met me this morning. And I need to tell you that God used you in my life this morning to meet me and speak into where I was at. Do you know, I administered all morning to lunch. From morning to, I administered all day. I was going to lunch with those pastors there from Great Fellowship with a number of the pastors. But today, the one thing I remember the most is a nine-year-old girl called Katie. Do you see, he's interested in the individual the more in the masses. He's interested. I want to meet the person coming out of the tree, coming out of the mess, coming out of their, coming out of the fraud, coming out of their deceit, come out of where they're at. I want to meet with you. But you don't meet with those people. Yes, I do. I want to meet with you and talk to you. Amen. Do you see that? Now, what time am I supposed to be out? Pastor, what time am I supposed to be out? Finish now. Yeah, five, ten. Five? Because we have to do a little question thing, yes? But I have had a big problem this morning. If you'd have told me, if I'd have known that the Holy Spirit was going to lead me this way, I could have watched more cricket. Now, (laughs) the thing is... (laughs) You never know, do you, though? He's not going to let the... Go and watch cricket, Ray. I'll take over in the morning. No, no, he said, you just stay there and wait on me. And uh, forget the cricket. Usually it's not worthwhile. However, however... Where am I at? Let me see, brother. I'll go and I'll come back. So, here it is. Well, here it is. I've got about ten more slides. Can, do you think I might come back next year? Or that a bit of an, is that a bit of an assumption, too? <laughs> Talk to the people first, brother. Get some idea. But to ensure that we're better together... That is everything about the unity of the body being better together. I want to work with what gets us better together. Not me solo, mister, but what's better for you. What works for you. What's good for you. Amen? And, 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 and that's why I, I tell you the one thing I do not like, for me personally, I hate elitism. When I was a young boy and a farm boy, my father being abusive, but one thing he always said Amongst many things. But he'd say all that. In Ireland, they don't call you stupid. They say you're thick. And all I'd ever hear from him, accompanied by whatever, you're a thick man. You're a thick man. 
You're just thick, man. That's all you are, thick. You know when somebody keeps telling you you're thick, you finish up being thick. What else are you supposed to believe? You're just thick. And I didn't know, when I went to college, and I sat for my entrance exam into college, I was sitting there with everybody else that's doing it, and it's a four or five hour exam, and I'm sitting there to go into college, and when I'm sitting there to do it, I'm sitting, and I'm fine, set, waiting for the educator to say, time to start, open the book. I, you know, those exams, you, when you've completed them, you can leave. Uh, at any time. I finished it, I completed it, and I left early. I can still see myself walking down the steps out of that college, and I absolutely knew that I had failed. And yet I'd finished it, but I knew that I'd failed. You know what? When I was in there, all I could hear was my father messing my mind up. You... And I see him sneering like he used to sneer. You, you, you in college? You'll never be anything. You'll never be anybody. And I'm saying, I'm sitting in an exam. Get out of my head. Just get out of my head. Do you see why I want to disciple him? Because you know what? You don't get over that in a quick fix. You don't get over that overnight. That's why for me, I'm patient to sit and work with people session after session. Because I'll tell you something. It took me three years And God had really worked with me, but it took me three years to get over the healing. Not with, not with somebody uh, doing any intense psychology. It just took me three years of God working in me, where I could talk about my dad, and I had no more feelings of anger. There was no more live issues. And today, my father had a most incredible conversion late in life, and now he's in the kingdom. And that's what one of the good things about it. But do you know what? I had that imprinted in me. And do you see right now today, right now today, because God had given me a person, my father was an incredible alcoholic. He could drink unbelievably, but he, a, a brilliant man, but he ran his own farm. We run the farm and, and he had his own business, but he's still an alcoholic. And you know, the thing is, he, he was a drunkard just the same. But do you know, if all of that this morning is why I sit with people now after where I've gone through and how I crashed and many, about, what, that's a long time ago, 1990 or something. That's a long time ago earlier. The fact is, today, when I stand with you, I want to be better together with you. I'm no better than a single person in here. And I never forget that I was a young farm boy that was abused and that I am where I am today by the grace of God. And the degrees that I have today are only because of his grace, only because of his mercy. And because I had gone through a whole transition, I never believed I could be where I am. But I always knew when God called me, when he put a a gifting in my life, that God would call me. But it's the time working through it. We want to be better together, to live a life of inner peace and balance in a world of chaos, conflict, and war. And we need to be in harmony, one with our God, one with ourselves, one with each other, one with our environment, and it will definitely be better together. Amen? I have to finish because already you know that I have a whole lot more. Do you see it? See where the whole thing, see that? You better than hey, shut up, Ray. <laughs> Do you see why I don't put any on airs and graces? I just want to be real. And how that's where we are. So, yes, we're going to go to... Uh, Having time for questions and answers, or have I violated that too? No. <laughs> 
Not yet, but what we are going to do <laughs> so yet. that we can reset the stage quickly, we're going to play, I believe, a funny video for you quickly. All right, I'm about to call Postmates. Does everyone want the fish dinner then? We'll just, I'll just call a bunch of them. Jesus is on the way, so just get, maybe just get a couple. He'll take care of us. Okay, yeah, all right, all right. just get, two then? Two. All right, yeah, just two, we'll just do two fish, yeah. Yeah, maybe like five loaves of bread with it? Yeah, that's good, yeah, perfect. Bro, I just got a Venmo request from Judas. Dude, Jesus just got a blue check mark. How did he get verified? He only has 12 followers. I have way more than that. <laughs> Dude, David is liking and commenting on every one of Beth Sheba's spring break pics. What's he doing? I thought uh, he was supposed to be at war. I don't know, dude. Also, what? Yeah, well, Okay. <laughs> we can't do that. <laughs> dude, I'm on Facebook Marketplace right now. Look at this. Joseph's brothers are selling him. Can you do that? Oh, Joe. He's just going on and on. He said he lost everything. Probably going to get a Kickstarter up oh. soon. Bro, I was talking to Mary and Joseph last week. They were trying to price line a hotel in Bethlehem. Couldn't find anything. They ended up having to, like, Airbnb some, like, rustic barn, dude. Brutal. If Noah Instagrams one more time about his DIY project, I'm it's, done. It's too much. Like He's like, I'm getting these instructions from heaven. Oh, yeah. Doubt it. Dude. I ain't getting on that boat. Oh, look, another bachelorette in Sodom and Gomorrah. <sighs> Seen it. Sin City, we get it. Don't look behind you. You know what I'm saying? Because the... What? Okay, forget it. Dude, are you friends with the Prodigal Son on Snapchat? Have you seen his stories? He just, like, left his dad's house. He's in, like, another city just losing it. Insane. Like, not safe for work. Uh-uh. <laughs> okay, dude, have you heard from Paul in a while? Maybe he's in prison again? Again? <laughs> dude, you want a bite of this? Do I look like Adam to you? Okay. Bro, you follow the rich young ruler? Is that that SoundCloud rapper? No, it's a guy. Oh. He's always posting about his house and his cars and stuff. He met Jesus last week. Literally haven't heard from him. It's weird. Dude, Jesus came to town on a donkey. I saw that. Could he not get an Uber? I mean, maybe he was surging. <laughs> Dude, are you in this group chat with Shadar Kamishak and Abendigo? Uh -huh. I used this fire emoji. They got all offended. Oh, uh, okay. Jonah tweeted he was going deep sea fishing three days ago. Have you heard from him? Maybe he doesn't have service. <laughs> do you follow Saul? Yeah, what? He changed his username to Paul. What? Bro, do you have locations on for the children of Israel? They're just, like, wandering around. Literally makes no sense. Have you seen the weather for today? No, what? 50% chance of quail. Weird. Wow. Ah, uh, Abram and Isaac posted a selfie that headed the mountains for a little father-son trip. Amazing. What could go wrong? Uh -huh. Wait, what's that rope for? Uh -huh. Oh, my goodness. Lot's daughter's pregnant. She's gonna have a baby. No. I wonder who the dad is. <laughs> Too far. <laughs> Bro, you're following the woman at the well? That's not like that. Check your heart, dude. All right, some people found that funnier than, than others. I <laughs> <laughs> oh, love it. Well, I'm going to invite uh, Ray and Kev. They're going to join us up on the panel. Uh, so why don't you come up, Kev and Ray, and, and join us up here. We're going to have a bit of an opportunity to ask questions. And so I believe we've got a roaming mic that um, we'll be able to do that with um, as well. But if you just want to... Um, if you want to get prepared and start thinking about some things that maybe you want to ask that perhaps are related to some of the sessions that we've just um, heard, um, but maybe they're just other questions that you've just come up with as we've, um, as, we've, as we've been listening today. But I think this is a great opportunity just to kind of ask some questions and uh, seek out some wisdom here as well. And so one of the things I wanted to ask just to get us kick-started, we've just been talking about relationships, is how do you build meaningful connections in life in 2019 and how do you maintain those connections in a world that seems to be so fast paced we've got social media happening we've got all these kind of instant kind of things happening around us relationships that can sometimes seem fake uh, with via social media but how do you build genuine uh, 
authentic relationships with people. It, it amazes me when you go to, I go to cafes a lot and I watch people supposedly sitting down to have time together and they're both on their devices. And it just amazes me. So, you know, in simple terms, you've just got to get rid of all the distractions and pay attention and listen. And uh, I've had to learn to do that with Marilyn because she's one of many words. And, uh, and I've, so I think you've really got to work hard at uh, being present. Yes, uh, amen. Uh, yeah, I'm right because I'm hooked up. Uh, I can't use two, probably need them. But um, one of the things I think that's important is the Bible says that when the Ethiopian eunuch was coming and Philip um, it, it comes transported by the Spirit and Philip speaks to him and Philip says, do you understand what you're reading? And he says, no, I don't understand. He says, how could I unless somebody tells me? And it says that he started right where he was reading and it said he began from there. One of the most important things from what we had just said in our session is how vital it is not to start from our position, but to always start from their position. Finding out for me, finding out where people are, where are you at? What are you doing in life? What is your purpose in life? What goals do you have? Where are you at? I want to be able to know where they're at. And then from there, I can finally, hopefully, take them to Jesus, but not always. But that's one of the things in our counseling is I don't preach at people at all. And I I counsel a lot. I can tell you there's a lot of very influential people in high positions that have come to Christ through their practice. Not because I was preaching at them, but because I helped them to walk from where they were to where they needed to go. That's one of the things for me, building relationship. Finding out first where people are at, listening to where they're at, and then taking them from there to build a relationship. Because I need, especially in a younger generation, I need to know where they are because a lot of it I don't understand. So I need to know what they're at so I can understand them and then from there. Because if you care and understand, they open up and talk. Yeah, Yeah, that's fantastic. The second question, what do you think the greatest cause of disconnection in society is right now? And what can be done to address this? Well, Kev mentioned social media is a very big disconnect. It really is. It's a huge disconnect. However, one of the things that's important about social media, it never meets a need. The need that they're trying to meet, it doesn't meet it. So the disconnect is that we immediately, and what's very, very important is one of the greatest disconnect is our judgment of others. I judge somebody for what they're doing. I judge somebody for where they're at. I judge them whether or not I think that they're, going, that they're interested. I judge them because they are on their, uh, on their thing. However, did you notice, and you may have seen this, uh, but when I come pull into a railway station and I look out the window, I am absolutely astounded that there's hardly any person, I know that hardly any person that's not on that railway station that hasn't got a phone. Everybody on the railway station standing there almost, hardly anybody, you know, hundreds of people are on the phone. But you know what? They showed a picture of 19 and 20 or something, and everybody was standing in the railway station reading the newspaper. Generation doesn't change. Humanity doesn't change. Everybody's engaged in some kind of media. 
Everybody is. All I need to do is get... I need to be interesting enough to somebody to stop what is engaging them to help them to be engaged rather than judging them for being disengaged. Mm. And I think we're very selfish. We're so caught up in us and our issues and our problems and our situations that we just... We've just got to think outside yeah. us, yeah. I think. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. I loved today some of the, the conversation about um, failure and getting to a place of coming to the end of ourselves that you spoke yeah. about. And I was just wondering about what, what about some of us that are here that perhaps have got to that point or have even disappointed ourselves and been able to get the ability to be able to overcome some of our own failures, some of the things that have happened in our past, and be able to almost forgive ourselves. You know, obviously with the different temperaments that you spoke about, I'm sure there are some temperaments that find that easier than others. Mm. Uh, but just that ability to be able to move on from some of those things that can really hold us back. What's some principles and some things that you would um, suggest that we could do to really make that propel forward faster? One of the things that I love here that Pastor Kevin and Mar had happening in the church, and now it's very clear and evident that you both are doing the same thing, and that is you have an incredible grace perspective to life. People will never come out of their little caves and their little holes if there's any sign of judgment, condemnation, legalism, rules, or anything else. The way that I'm going to be able to bring them out, hey, it's okay to fail. Failure is my fertilizer for my future success. It's all right to fail. People, brother, you are creating this atmosphere now, which is wonderful. And for many of these people here to hear this today, but you are actually creating a safe place. And in a safe place, people will talk. In a safe place, they will communicate. In a safe place. When I was in my legalism days, I did not feel, or anybody else did, did not feel safe to be able to do that. Can I tell one little quick story? Now, please excuse this, but I think we're all mature enough to take this uh, thing. But one young guy comes to me, and he is really desperate with his pastor. And he says to me, I'm really afraid to tell my pastor, but he says, I'm really, really struggling with masturbation. And he said, would you mind if you wouldn't approach my pastor and talk to my pastor to find out what his views are about it? Which obviously was a big mistake that the pastor shouldn't have, he should have known by already. And he said, and, and I said, oh, sure, I'm happy to do that. So I did. I went and seen his pastor. He was up high in legalism. But anyhow, the pastor says to me, why would you ask me a question like that? Why would you say that? I didn't even understand you asking me. You know, I was asking on behalf of somebody else. Maybe he thought I was having a problem. <laughs> but I said, I said, hey. And he says, no. He said, don't you know the scripture? Surely you know the scriptures. The Bible says if you hand a friend, you cut it off. If you hand a friend, you plug it out. I said, I said, we're going to have a penis factory. I mean, what are you saying to me? No, I, I, I'm telling you, I wouldn't like, I wouldn't like him to go into that pastor because he might have helped him to work it through. I mean, see, brother, do you see, that's what church, we don't realize, but that's what churches are providing. That's a horrible thing. And, and, and now, there's no way this kid can go there, this young man. There's no way he can do it. We need to provide, a, it's, hey, it's okay. We're human people.
people and it's all right. Yeah. Amen. Don't cut it off, just chat to someone. <laughs> That's a Twitter quote. <laughs> Amy, can you uh, bring some more seriousness? Because I'm going to get carried away with these, these guys. These two boys down here cacking themselves. You wait till Tuesday, boys. Uh, we're back to the lofty so heights the of last year's Connections Conference. Anyway... Let's let's move along. (laughs) What advice would you give to married couples about staying connected in their marriage? (laughs) Do you need a talking to as well? Kevin's still thinking of the last episode. (laughs) That was. The question is, what advice would you give to married couples about staying connected in their marriages? Oh, wow. How long have you guys been married? How long have you and Ma been married? 45 years. And you and Kath? 51. 51. Wealth of knowledge. <laughs> Do you see how smart we are after 51 years? <laughs> and, and we're trying to help these kids? <laughs> <laughs> do you know what? One of the things for me is I say to my wife, I say to people, I said, you know what? I think that one of the most important things for me, I, I wouldn't put anything down to some great thing, to give somebody a formula, because no formula finally works. Not even a formula, no formula finally works. God can do it again. The thing is, I just realized this, is you can't create a formula for a lot of people one of the things for my wife in our particular situation is, for me, I believe that she is incredibly unselfish. She's incredibly giving. That works for me. Now, the thing is, <laughs> I stay very connected to that. <laughs> we know now what we like and what we don't like. So what we do is you, you try, when you love somebody, you try to say, okay, well, I won't do what I know upsets you because that's payback stuff. You don't do that. It's not worthwhile anyway because in the end you don't have the energy to work it through. The fact is, you just say, hey, let's just live together in harmony and love. I won't, I won't do to you what I know hurts you. And after all our years together, we know what that is clearly because why do we know it? Because we've done it. And therefore, if you've done it, you know what doesn't work. And yet, like we said earlier, don't do what doesn't work. So shut up or say nothing or do the right thing. And so for me is, I don't want to do that to you. Now for me, I discovered for me, for one thing, I've never cooked a meal in my life. I changed one nappy and when Kath got home, the kid had the nappy around his ankles. And I, and I had no idea how to put the thing on. So, so I did. And those were the old days, you know, when you had the big safety pin. And I was putting my hand in behind to stop the thing going into the stomach. And I kept pinching my hand with a big safety pin. And I thought, this is not for me. I don't know anything about doing this. So I finished that. So I don't cook. I don't do anything. And I never cook. And, and I have never have cooked. And so, but, the, but, the, but the thing is, Kath's a great cook. She's, she's, and I said to her, I said, you've just destroyed a perfectly good man. That's the problem. But here's the point. A few years ago, I would come there. We have a lot of visitors. Kath's very hospitable. You all know her. And I, lots of people would come. She would cook a beautiful meal for everybody. And then she'd be up there washing up. So then, something triggered in me. It took a long time, mind you. But something triggered in me that that's not quite right. 
I'm sitting talking to all the people and trying to do a Mary out of Mary style, sitting at the feet of Jesus, but really I was the one talking and expounding everything. And so I decided, hey, that's not right. She's, she's working late. So I get up and I said to her, that's it. This is the end of it. I got revelation. This is after a lot of years, kids, you know what I mean? And I got a revelation. I said, no, that's it. You cook. I can't cook. I have no idea how to cook. But honey, when you finish cooking, put the food away, everything else, I wash up. Right now, from here on, I wash up. So now when we have company and when the people all come and everybody else, even when Kevin comes and he helps me, except that he usually is golfing. But the fact is, <laughs> what we do is, 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 is I, just, I just help her because I see how much it blesses her. So actually, my little act of my little act of washing up all the dishes is really a big connection. I mean, it's a big connection. I see how happy she is. And she turns around and she says to me, oh, honey, thanks so much for washing up. I think, but you cooked. <laughs> and you're thinking of me for washing up. Really, it's something I should have been doing years before. But I was selfish because I thought, oh, I'm expounding wisdom. And I was selfish. Try starting early when you work this out and get these things going early. It makes a lot more harmonious lifestyle. And love is a choice. So we choose, I choose every day to love Marilyn, to build a great marriage, and to build a great future. And uh, the cost of not doing that is so severe. And... Uh, you know, the, the, you just watch in life. If you just sit back long enough and watch, and you just learn. I learn from the mistakes of others. And, and I think, I think it, you don't fluke a great marriage, you build it. Yeah. You've got to keep building. It takes time to build. And uh, so you've just got to keep working at it. We have a, a, quite a few young, uh, young single and single mature people here who obviously, you know, are on the journey to finding that one person, what would you, what advice would you give um, in regards to that connection? What advice would you give while they are in this waiting period? You don't want my advice. (laughs) (laughs) This is a trial and error thing. Hey, do you know... Uh, you know, the thing that I must say, though, is, uh, for me, I, I was going with girls before I left school. When I was still in school, I loved a girl's company. I loved being with girls. But there came a transition then because I used them, they used me before I came to Christ. Absolutely. And that's a horrible thing. Using somebody is a horrible thing. That's why, even though I don't stand against dating, I just going out and dating, but I do think it is, you know, because it's a legal thing, but I think if somebody can just wait and find the wife, rather than just doing a lot of dating, because you use people, and it's not good to use people, it's absolutely not. However, when I came to the place, so just my own personal experience, if you don't mind, when I just came to that place, I realized this is not working, and I don't know whether or not I'm going to find the person, and this person's nice, but I like that person, but that person was nice, and so we pick up and drop off. The fact is, I just got down one day, and I went in a chair, put my knee, uh, sat down before a chair, and I prayed. And I said, Father, that's it. I, that's it. It's too complicated. It's too hard. I like this one, but I like that one. But I like her, but I like her. <laughs> and because you know why? Some, there are some temperaments that would never love another person. They, they're just one spouse person. 
And actually, when those people get divorced, it's a horrible thing because it's actually better for that particular temperament's partner to die than it is to divorce. Absolutely. But there are other people, they could fall in love over and over again. People have said to me, people have said to me, oh, could you fall in love with somebody else? The answer is yes. Oh, really? Brother, you're not, not spiritual. <laughs> well, you asked me to be honest. Of course I could. And they said, well, could you live with any other woman? Think, absolutely. I have women around the world that I work with, that work closely with me. They're beautiful. They're amazing. I love them. They're incredible. And I could live with them. Just let that sing in for a minute. And then, but then I said to them this. I said, but here is the key. The key is, I could live with them, but I can't live without Kath. There is the difference. Many years ago, I got down on a chair and I said, Father, that's it. I'm through with all of that. I can't make good decisions. I don't know who it is. I can love people very easily. No. I want, now I'm finished. I'm through. If I never get married, if I never have a young woman, all I want is you and your plan and your purpose and what you've called me to. And now I commit this to you. I give it over to you. I need you to help me to find that young woman. You need, I need you to tell me who the right one is. And that's the woman that I finished up with today. Because I had to, for my temperament, I had to find, amongst others, I had to find the person God had. And that, because I was engaged when I was in Ireland, or getting engaged in Ireland. So, and she was on fire for God. She absolutely loved Jesus. But the fact is, it wasn't the person God had for me. And that's why I finally had to get down in Australia and say, this is it. And you know what I want to tell you, young people? God is everything to you you thought he was not. He will show you the person. If you dedicate yourself to him, he will show you the right person. Because you may be a temperament that could be so confused because there's so many others. But whatever you do, Please don't get into a lifestyle of just using somebody, trying somebody out. It don't work. It just doesn't work. It confuses you, frustrates you, and you don't know. Just give yourself to Jesus and let his love flow into your life, and he will show you what it's like. I was, you, you know, you look at me up here today, and you think, boy, an old guy up there giving advice. But here's the thing. I was your age once, and I know the real life. Please make sure, let God give you the partner, and then that's a lifetime occasion. Amen. Amen. Be the right person and you'll find the right person. Amen. I love that. Has anybody else got any questions just from the floor? If you've got any, just lift your hand up. We'll uh, try and get a microphone over to you as well and um, make sure we can ask one of those questions or I can give you our microphone if you want. We've got Mel first. You you are first up. Yeah, a quick one about young kids. We've got a six-year-old and two-year-old moving into connections with friends and school. And as parents, what's some good advice and material where we can help them to grow and to be a good friend and to be lovable and to respect their other friends and make those connections in a world they're growing in that's going to be difficult with social media? So it's more a parental yeah, trying to help them grow yeah. and make the right choices now while they're young before they get to those points where it's hard to backtrack. Yeah. You know, um, this is a very difficult age because we don't discipline like we used to and we can't. 
we, we did allude to this this morning, but the greatest change agents in the world are love, acceptance, and forgiveness. You can only ever build into somebody what you set before them. And when children have the same environment as we were talking about a little earlier, the same environment that we need to provide for the people of God in that safe place, that's what's important for the children. No legalism. The rules has to be any rules in the church because in the beginning, the purpose of a parent, the exclusive purpose of a parent is giving a child resources to become an adult. And so what we need to do is say, okay, here's what's going to be the best for you. The best they are, there's again, we go back to temperament too, because a lot of things into this child, they will be very different. For example, let's just take a feeler. You can take a feeler child. They've been taught great values. They have been taught great principles. They come out of a great Christian home. They go to school. Their number one need is, is for approval, and their second greatest need is for acceptance. Do you know that I have had parents sit with me crying because the child has dropped all their values and everything else to fit in to be accepted? That's, for the, that's where it's very, very important that then when that turns, about, when that turns around, I need to just keep feeding in because I know love, acceptance, and forgiveness. When a child is up to a certain age into puberty... You, you are directive value. You show them the way, you teach them the way, you show all those things. Once they become into puberty, then that changes dramatically and you become resource value. You become a library to the children. They now have to come to you, take out whatever it is that you can bring them. When you have shown that kind of environment, everybody will grow properly in a safe environment. You... Everything, whether it's flowers or whether it's, uh, or whether it's vegetables, no matter what it is, uh, fish in the sea, no matter what it is, everything will grow in its right environment. As you provide the environment, so the child will grow. And during puberty, when some of them may dive into some of those areas in the cairn, they may dive into those areas, they will always come back to what they were taught because they have only learned to swim properly in that environment. So good. Fantastic. Any other questions? We'll go on here, Gail. Well, here's the, the guy's got a microphone for your curious question, though. <laughs> I was just wondering with um, all the people that you've spoken to and everything, um, are there all of those facets of um, personality and character in one family? All those temperaments, you mean? They, they, yeah. They, they, yeah, because characters and temperaments are two different things. Oh, okay, yeah. mm-hmm. But because the characters developed through the environment and the people that puts it into them. But, but uh, are they in the same family? Could you imagine them all in the same family? They'd kill each other. <laughs> hey, listen, dear. <laughs> if you've got them all in the same family, that's a boring family. No, they're not very sad. It doesn't say, it's not genetic. So therefore, it doesn't go to say that you're this temperament and they're going to be like that. However, one of the things, is that, and that's a great point because we could just go develop that, but we can't because we have time. But the thing that's important is why understanding that child, because a lot of parents make a big mistake because parents want to live their life through their child. The Bible says bring a child up in the way they should go. Now, we, we do that at a dedication as though that's spiritual and, and scripture. No, no. 
that context is totally according to the way God uniquely made them, according to how they're wired. I need to see that child and bring them up the way they're wired, not the way I'm wired. Theirs was a big mistake in, in parenting. And very few of them, very few of them will ever be the same temperament. And I'll tell you something, the one that's the same temperament as the parent, I like me and me, but I don't like me and you. Oh, that's great. Ray, what would you suggest when it comes to um, understanding each other? There is some rare times that Amy doesn't see the world the way that I see the world. I think you used one wrong word there. <laughs> and if I can think about that word, it was rare. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> uh, I, can, I, can, I, can I say something with total respect in front of a public audience, or am I permitted to do that? Can I? Hey, brother, your temperament. Yeah, this may be my last visit. Now, you should have waited till Monday. Yeah, 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 yeah. True. Your temperament. You brought it up, brother, so publicly. Yes. <clears throat> I feel the necessity to relate to it. Anyway, your temperament, and this is true, that's where it is. Your temperament is the number one temperament not to understand other people. It's true. Uh, I'm Star Wars. Exactly. So you trying to get out of your shoes into her shoes, most of the time she's right. However, I... (laughs) Not most of the time. (laughs) So we're changing rare and changing most. All right. The the important thing is, brother, is why... why, Because you've got great leadership ability. Therefore, one of the most important things is always for you to delegate because you will never be able to go in to do things that you would do in another temperament. So you have to let somebody else who can do that. One of the most important... It's like a millionaire that we were talking to, Mike and I, in America. And this millionaire, he owns vineyards down there in California. And we were talking... And Mike said, how did you come to be a millionaire? Oh, he said, it's simple. Mike said, simple to be a millionaire? He said, yes. He said, how come? He said, I just... I just subcontract my weaknesses. And some of the things are subcontracting your weaknesses. So this is one of the great combinations that you have is you don't see those things, but that doesn't mean you're wrong. It just means you're different. And what we do is we so quickly decide because they don't see it like me, they're wrong. No, that's why we respect what the other person sees. Okay, honey. And I I shouldn't be saying honey to you, but anyway. I'm talking from him. Okay, okay. Okay, honey. We're in the public, so we're fine. Okay, honey. Um, explain to me. Let me know that. Now, he wants to cut corners all the time, and he hasn't got a lot of time for, for, for you to explain anything, so if you don't get it first time, he's a way to do it anyway. The important thing is, that's what you need, is to allow her to tell you. When she's telling you something, she's there. She's actually very good for you in the way that she can bring stuff to you. doesn't mean she's always right. She might want to think so, but she's not always right. <laughs> the, thing, the thing that's important is her contribution's vital, but you, you, you cut corners because you fast-track everything. I've got to fast-track it. We don't have time. Come on. <laughs> it's not that fast. Come on. Let's do it. Come on. We can go on with it. What's holding you up? You're negative. That's the problem. You're negative about this. Why are you so negative about it? You don't need to be negative. Come on. It'll work out. Okay. Well, give me a little plan how it'll work out. We don't have a plan, but we'll make a plan on the way. 
you you need her because she she will give you plan that you need because of course you you head out and you'll go ahead and do it and if you do fall over it doesn't matter anyway because you blame her for not telling you <laughs> so <laughs> so you're going to escape at every level so brother the thing is you do see that this is one big thing in your type of temperament's opposite is 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 mostly the necessity for you to be Kevin brought this up earlier on to be present to listen and to be present. Amy needs you to be present. You know, when you're listening, when you're listening, she can tell that the Star Wars is going. She knows you're not there, but you're listening. But all she wants to do a lot of the time is run an ear. And she just wants to run an ear. And you think, listen, I don't want to be a bleeding ear. Why don't we just get on with the thing? But she knows, she's quick and sharp. I'll tell you, I guarantee she knows you're gone. You're not listening. You're not there. But you're sitting there and you think, I was here with you. I listened to you. No, no, you are here, but you were not present. It's vital for you to listen to what she's, she's got a lot to say. And yes, she could get negative sometimes about it. Because why? She is able to help you to look at it. She can be, oh, is this a good word to use? The devil's advocate. <laughs> she, she, she can actually show you some areas. To, because, brother, this is enough. Please forgive me. But your temperament very easily has blind spots. It really does, because you're focused. She can help you with the blind spots. Please, listen to her. It'll make sense, and you can come to an agreement. Thanks for participating in our couples therapy. (laughs) This is all being recorded as well. (laughs) Do do you have any other questions that you want to ask? Well, why I'm here. (laughs) (laughs) No, really, do you have any other questions? Do we have any more questions from the floor? Otherwise, I will ask another question. (laughs) (laughs) Here's a brother here, he needs a mic. Thank you. Well, brother, we'll get the mic. Yeah, it, when a Star Wars person is married to a thinker. Now, that's an amazing thing because you have the train station idea where one train is flying down the road and the other is in the shunting line. <laughs> it's just, it's not going anywhere. It's not going anywhere, but the express train comes through. <laughs> I, I don't have time to wait for you, honey. But any, it's okay, I'm on the repair. I'll come back whenever you're ready. The, the, the bigger thing is, the, the thinker person has an enormous lot academically to provide for that Star Wars, but the Star Wars generally are too express thinking to take too much of it in, but they could learn a lot from them. The only thing about the thinker person is, they're predisposed to being negative and they really will always try to look at the negative and for a Star Wars person that's a wet blanket you're killing my dreams you're killing my vision you're stopping me doing what I want to do go and get right with God (laughs) oh that's great 
Well, I guess final words for today, talking about loving God, loving people. Uh, what's some final words you want to leave us with today, Kev and Ray? <laughs> the final word that I want to leave you with today is please, after all of this, I want the leadership to love me. And, 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 and one thing that I do want to say is, is you, you put it together and the way that you did is right, is that if we can understand some of those principles, we are much better together. Yeah. We're not good solo. We're better together. Amen. And what we have said today are the different dynamics that help us to do life better together. I need you. I'm not an island. You need me. You're not an island. And we will do it way better together. Fantastic. Well, amen. Amen. (laughs) Ray, would you like to pray for us before we finish today? I can do that, yes. Blessed Redeemer, loving Heavenly Father, we're so grateful to be in the family of God. Father, I thank you for my brothers and sisters that's in this place today, for their love, for their hunger, for their receptivity. Thank you, Father, that we have come out in this morning to share in the love of God together. And today, Father, we look at all the different ways that you've made us, the diversity, the color, the wonder of each individual person, the creation of God. And we give thanks for every individual and every person. And Father, we are what we are today by the grace of God. And Father, I thank you so much for Jesus who came and made this so possible that we could laugh, that we could rejoice, that we could walk in truth, that we could walk in freedom, that we can walk in liberty and that we're free from the bondage of legalism and that we're able to live in the pure love of God. And so, Father, I pray that there will be a greater revelation of that love into all of our lives and a greater revelation of the work of the cross that Jesus has already brought and that he started this thing and help us, Father, to continually and always trust him to finish it in our lives. And so, Father, I commit this company of people to you today and that your love, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the continued sweet fellowship of your Holy Spirit shall be with us as we go from this place. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Why don't you put your hands together for Ray and for Kev. Thank you. Thank you. We've been truly blessed uh, to have Dr. Ray here and uh, he will be speaking with us at our 9.30 service and our 5 o'clock Lawson service tomorrow. So we are incredibly excited for that. Well, it is now lunchtime. If you have kids down in Kids Church, can I just ask you to go and collect them and bring them back up here because there will be lunch for both your kids and yourself. But uh, why don't you put your hands together one more time for Ray. Thank you very much. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. Fantastic. Thanks for joining us. Go and grab something to eat. Food's outside. And remember, don't cut it off. Talk to someone. Be blessed. (laughs) 